I said the two minutes is still counting while we wait for the parents downstairs to come up. Is that, is that okay? Yeah, good, okay. While I um, get my nerves together. Did we all have a good week, by the way? You all had a good week? Okay, that's good. Anybody not so good week? Um, I had a busy one, and um, but it's always, it's always like that, often, which is good. I think busy is good, yeah. Productive busy. I think when Nikki comes up, I'll be sure everyone else has come up. She's coming. I'd just like us to share a word of prayer um, before we go on. Um, Lord, we just want to thank you. We, we bless your name. We, we thank you because of everything that has gone on this morning, especially for your presence here. Without your presence, Lord, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing at all. And so we, we, we truly thank you for that presence here. Your word says that where two or three of us are gathered, that you are right here, right there in the midst of them. And so, Lord, we thank you because your presence is mighty here this morning. And as we prepare our hearts to receive your word, I just want to say to you, Lord, that indeed the, the, the preparation of the heart is to us, but... But, but, but the rendering of it, Lord, is all about you. So, and Lord, I just commit everything prepared to you this morning that you will speak freely through me. I hide myself behind a cross and I ask, Lord, that you will come through for your people. For I know that the letters, indeed, they kill, but, but the spirit of them is what gives life. And so, Lord, I ask that beyond the words, let, 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 let the spirit of your word come through. That to each and every one here this morning, you will be speaking directly to our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that in any situation that anyone is today, Lord, let, let, let your word speak directly to us. Let it bring enlightenment. Let it bring freedom. Let it bring liberation. Let it speak healing. Let it speak confidence. Let it speak faith. Let it speak life. That through this message this morning, many of us will stand up from the ashes of who we once were. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you for these words will inspire us. Lord, they will raise us up and they will cause us to be established. Holy Spirit, I, I, I can't do nothing on my own, so I ask you to, to do it all. Amen. Amen. Um, I've got a few minutes to share with us um, what's on my heart this morning. Again, um, as is becoming um, custom, I thought I'll share um, one or two jokes with us before, before I proceed. Um, and so, 
you know, I, I've not had the opportunity to be downstairs with the kids, you know, um, during Sunday school. But I've got my own kids as well. And once in a while, Zitel, she likes drawing. Um, um, and so she does some drawings. And you say to Zitel, who's that? And she says, that's daddy. And you wouldn't like to look like that. Um, so a girl in Sunday school was drawing, you know, a picture. And the teacher comes around and says, um, honey, what are you drawing? And she says, well, I'm drawing God. And, and, and the teacher says, well, no one actually knows what God looks like. And without blinking, the little girl said, well, you know in a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, um, and that's the first one. I'm thinking if I should make the, the, the message, um, because uh, there are parts of the message that probably will f you will think is a joke. But trust me, it's not. <laughs> but then there is another joke of, a, you know, an elderly lady who was... Um, who, you know, was, who locked her car keys in a car, basically. And, you know, she got, the car keys were just locked in. So she was kind of fiddling and trying to get the car keys out, tried a hanger and all that, but it just wasn't working. And this, this rough-looking guy just walks up to her and says, well, can I help you? And she said, yes. So in like 15 seconds, um, the guy opened the car door and said, well, here's your keys, ma. And the, the lady gave, gave him a hug and said, oh, thank you, Lord, for sending... Um, this nice man to help me out. And the guy says to the lady, well, I'm not a nice guy. I, I just came out of prison for car theft. Um, and, and the lady hugs the man again and says, well, thank you, Lord, for sending me a professional. <laughs> and that reminds me of that scripture that says, well, in all things, let's give thanks. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to us this morning about a message I titled, A Certain Man. A Certain Man. Um, and to be honest, um, this wasn't the message I prepared for for a couple of weeks. I prepared for a message for a couple of weeks, and, and I was expectant about that message. I, 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 was, I, was, I was eager to share it. And, but then, while I was putting my notes down um, sometime last night, I, I spent some time and, and came out and I said to Nikki, I'm, I'm struggling with something. I, and, and she was like, what, what, what are you struggling with? I said, I have this message prepared, but I think I sense the Lord is saying something else. And she said to me, well, go with what the, you believe the Lord is saying at this time. And I don't know why, but it's perhaps, I, I know the Lord has a reason. And oftentimes we, we get to find out what God is doing in retrospect. And I, I, am, I am very, very confident that God is, has a word in season for someone this morning. Um, um, and and, and I, I, trust, I trust God for what he's bringing forth. I want to thank God also um, for what he's done this week so far. I know as a church we've been praying and God is hearing those prayers. I want you to understand that God is hearing your prayers. Heaven is open to every prayer that you've been making, especially, you know, the, the situation with Ruthie this week in hospital. I know a couple of us have been over to see her, and um, we, we've actually had good reports so far. It's not a situation out of the woods yet as far as man can see, but we do not see as men sees because we are not moved by what we see. We are moved by what God has said. Our confidence is not in what we are seeing in the moment. Our confidence is in what God has said that he is able and willing and he will indeed do. And so as we continue to pray and as we continue to thank God, let us be sensitive, you know, as God leads us in the directions of prayer and, 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 and prophecy as well. 
I'd like us to be able to read this morning Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, um, from verse 1 to 8. And as I said, the topic of this message says it's um, a certain man. And I, think, I believe that the, um, the scripture is going to come up on the screen in a moment. Acts chapter 3, from verse 1. Oh, no. I'm not sure how clear that is. Well, I could read that. Um, right. I just checked if Marina was here, but she is. Because I was about to say I, w I might not yet be getting my bus pass this month. Um, just yet. But it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. Now, this is John, um, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, from verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. And this hour of prayer was at the ninth hour. And a certain man, and uh, now you can see where the, the title came from, and that was basically for want of what else to call it. Um, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily. Uh, as we read this, I, the, the underlinings and the, and the, and the, and the cap, uh, were, were all mine because these are some parts of this scripture that we probably will be laying emphasis on as we go and as, a lot, uh, and as we have time to. It's, it's, it's a massive message, but we're not going through all of it this, uh, this morning. And now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of, the, of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, the Bible says, from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. So before we go any further, let me pause and dwell for a few minutes on this certain nameless lame man. See, I don't know why the Bible does not tell us of the name of this man again. Uh, and, 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 and we could have, you know, so many theories behind that. But perhaps it's because who he is, um, you know, kind of pales in comparison um, to what God actually did in his life. Or perhaps it's a certain man because... It doesn't really matter who he is because God can do the same thing in literally any one of us. Or perhaps because a certain man could also be a certain woman, a certain Tony, a certain Sam, a certain Carol, a certain Nikki, a certain husband, a certain wife, or a certain nun, a certain man or woman or son or child or son-in-law, a certain whoever that it could be. So the name of this individual wasn't necessary because it could have been anyone at all. So the Bible just says there was a certain man. And it wouldn't make any difference to God at all because 
that he, because what God can do with one, he actually can do with another. Indeed, what God has done for one, God actually does for another. This is why we can come to God on the premise that he provided for the widow of Zarephath, for instance, in a time of terrible famine, and ask him to provide for our provision in when, when we are in need. It is on this premise that we can come to God on the, pre, on the basis that he healed a woman with the issue of blood and place a demand on God and on his word to also heal us when we need healing in our bodies. Because what God has done for one, he is able and willing to do for another. You see, in, in, in the court law, there is something about precedence. And it's not just in courts, but in, in life generally. It's, it's, it's natural that when, when you're in a position of authority, what you do sets a precedent for others to demand likewise. If you're, if you're, if you're a manager or a boss at work and, and you do something for your subordinates you that not, that's not been done before, what you're doing is that you're setting a precedent for others to be able to say, well, you did, did that for so and so, so would you do that for me as well? And the Bible says concerning God that he's not a respecter of persons. So God indeed does things and he sets a precedent for us. If we can see the precedent that was set, we could then hold on to that and make demands and ask God when it is, you know, when we are in, in need of exactly that. God is no respecter of persons, Acts chapter 10, verse 34. You see, if God has set a precedence by doing it once, I've already said we can um, take hold of that precedence and ask him to do it again. And so they laid him daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. You see, several times I've read this passage, and I'm sure a couple of us must have come across this passage sometime in our life, a gate called Beautiful. And I wondered initially, was it a gate called beautiful? Or the, you know, why was the gate called beautiful? And so the gate, the Bible said, was called the beautiful gate because truly it was beautiful. It was said that, you know, to have, it was said to have been made from a kind of bronze called Corinth bronze. It was quite expensive. And, and this was what the, this gate was cast from. It was also said to have excelled in, in terms of workmanship that went into it far above all the other temple gates around the, the temple at the time. It was said that this, this gate was, was, was um, you know, coated with, with pure silver and gold and there were intricate designs that were woven into this gate. So indeed, it was beautiful. But there you stand, you know, you find yourself standing um, under the, the grandeur and, and the magnificence of this beautiful gate. And you feel the intricate designs on it of pure gold showcasing the highest workmanship and quality. And you are filled with awe. It's indeed a beautiful gate. It wasn't just beautiful, it was a massive gate as well. It is said that it took 20 men just to move this gate. Massive and beautiful. Inspiring awe. But then, as you stand there, you look around you to the base of this gate, and in his corner, on a mat, near a state of tatters, from many years of use, he's got a bowl in his hand, and through rotten teeth, you know, you hear this lame man cry out, arms, arms, please. There was nothing beautiful about this man that sat at the gate called beautiful, nothing at all. He was lame from, from birth. He has 
the, the, the people came and beheld the beauty of this gate, but to him, this was a place that represented his, his circumstances, his situation. And are you here today feeling just a bit like that? There are struggles within that does not reflect the grandeur of the outside. On the outside, it looks like all is good, fat and well-fed, you know, like the, the story of the, cow, of, of the calf you know, and the cows that Pharaoh saw in his dream. All is looking good on one side, but on the inside, it's ugly and not so good and skinny. They see you come to church every week, so, so your life's got to be beautiful, people think. What they don't see is what you've got to go back to home to after every service, and it's not beautiful. They see you live in a good house, drive a good car, so life's got to be good. What they don't see is that you're a couple of months behind on your mortgage, and your car is like three months overdue for servicing. You're racking up bills on your credit cards that you just can't afford anymore. And it's not beautiful. They see you always smiling. So life's got to be good. Life's got to be beautiful. What they don't know is what you've had, that is, that is that you've not had good sleep for the past couple of nights. What they don't know is what's eating you up from the inside out, but it's not beautiful. So they called the gate beautiful, but it was not beautiful to a certain man born lame from his mother's womb. To this man, it wasn't beautiful. We have said that whatever God has done for one, he can do for another. Every miracle is a precedent set by God. If God has done it before, it means there is provision in his word for that because God will not do anything that is outside of his word. The word works, but you've got to work the word. I'll say that again. The word works, but you've got to work the word. You see, it is God, some time ago, I believe God you know, helped me understand this. The Bible in, in John reveals Jesus as a word of God. And, and I, 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 I had this image in my mind as I was thinking about it, about the word of God, Jesus himself, that, that a, a lot of pressure had to be put on him for him to release his spirit. The Bible said concerning Jesus that he was, first of all, whipped, 39 lashes. After he was whipped, he was beaten, he was stricken, he was done all sorts of things. He was crucified, he was hung on the cross, he was thirsty, he was pierced by his side. All these things were done because they needed to squeeze the spirit out of this word. And in the end, the Bible says that he gave up his spirit. What God, I believe, was teaching me there was, you see, every word that God has given to us, you need to put pressure on that word for that word to yield the juice and the spirit behind it. Jesus said, the Bible said that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I don't know if I'm communicating this morning, but the word of God does not just yield the spirit of it until you apply pressure on it. Sometimes the pressure you need to apply on God's word is to speak it out, is to confess it, is to believe it, is to begin to do, do, um, do corresponding actions that is in correspondence with the word, that is, that is in agreement with the word of God. You've got to put pressure on the word. I say again that the word works if we work the word. I like the next slide to come up. 
So let's see um, a couple of things, um, four things in, uh, to, be, to be precise, that um, we can quickly unpack from this story. I'm conscious that um, I've got a few more minutes. So let's see just about four things that we can quickly unpack from this. Now, no, that's not the first one. Um, that's about the couple of them down. So the, the one immediately after the title, that's the one I want now. So this morning, Pam said to me, Ayop. And she was so in the spirit, because there it is. It's not magic, I tell you. It's not magic. <laughs> uh, yes. Acts 3 verse 4. So he gave them his attention. And so what happens in Acts 3 verse 4? So, um, and, and the Bible says that, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, speaking of the certain man, asked for alms. And, and, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention. He gave them his attention. Time will fail me to speak today of just how far God has gone out of his way trying to get our attention, my attention, your attention. You see, while Moses was feeding Jethro's um, sheep in the backside of the wilderness, after 40 years of, of giving attention to being an Egyptian prince, after 40 years of, of being a husband and a father and a, and a hard-working man, after all these years, God was, was just trying to get Moses' attention. And uh, as he wasn't getting it, you know, one of the days Moses was just going uh, around his normal business and, and a bush burst up into flame. And it was just, there was fire, but it wasn't consuming it. And, and Moses was like, what manner of thing is this? And he went nearer, the Bible says, to be able to see this thing that was happening. God was calling for his attention. God simply wanted to get Moses' attention. In John chapter 4, Jesus sent his disciples off to buy food while he went and sat by the well. He engaged in a conversation that shredded your written codes of, of protocols within that culture because he needed to get the attention of a woman. God is seeking for our attention. After Elijah defeated the, the, the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth on Mount Carmel, um, the queen Jezebel threatens him, and all of a sudden his attention was consumed with fear of the queen's threats. And when God called out to Elijah, it wasn't in a spectacular demonstration of power in the raging wind or a fiery fire or earthquakes. It was in a quiet, small voice. God is actually seeking for our attention, calling for your attention. You see, oftentimes the attention that we need to give to God is in the, in the place of worship where we, we come to a place where we are able to forget everything else and focus on him. And, 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 and in that moment, it is just between us and the Father. Nothing else matters, not the person behind me, not the issues that I know I'm struggling with at the moment. I love one of the songs that says, Lord, I am here not to complain about my many struggles. I'm just here this morning to say that I, I love you. I want, I'm here this morning just to focus on you, just to have a fellowship with you. And sometimes that is what we need to do when we come in God's presence. It is probably not the time to say, Lord, about, about, about the bills that are not paid, about the strained child, about, about, about the problems problems at work, about the ill health in the family. It's just a time to give God attention. God seeks our attention. You know, as a couple, one of the things that you, you will realize is that, is that you need, how much, I, I don't care how much the men will say it's, will not, will tend, will 
not want to agree with me this morning, but everybody wants attention sometimes. I know there are times you want to be left alone, but you want attention sometimes. And God demands, God wants to know that we focus on him. God is asking for our attention. And I want to ask you this morning, is it possible, is it just possible at all that God is trying so much for so long to get your attention? Hey up, look at him. Give him some attention. The next slide, please. Is it true what they said? I'm going to read this up because I'm not sure if it's very clear. Is it? Right. So which of these is true? We, we're taking a test now. You've got exactly 10 seconds and your time starts now. A, B, C, D. If it's A, hands up. I mean, there's no right and wrong answer, all right, no, no right and wrong, but when we get to the end, I'll, we'll see where we're going to. Which of these is true? Expectation feeds frustration. A wise man wrote that, by the way, so it, it could be right. He's a wise man. I think he was, one of them is from Shakespeare, so very wise man. Peace begins when expectation ends. No expectation, no disappointment. That's called playing it safe. Surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. That's daring. That's bold. But that's from the word of God. You see, the truth is this. If you want to play safe, if your expectation is on man, follow the first three. If your expectation is in your husband, follow the first three. If your expectation is in your wife, and all, with all due respect to Nikki, I said that one. But the truth is that there are times with best intentions, we are unable and we fall short of, the, of, of expectations that people have of us. So if your expectation for any reason is on any man that walks on two legs, born of a woman, follow the first three. But if your expectation is of God, Surely there is an end, and your expectation shall not be cut off. Verse 3 of, of, John, of, Acts, of Acts of the Apostles, there where we are reading, says that he, when he looked up to them, when he gave them attention, that he was expecting to receive something from them. There was an expectation in his heart to receive something. The Word of God demonstrates that faith which actually is an expectation placed in God to honor his word, is crucial to receiving anything from him. Faith is crucial. The Bible says that for without faith, we cannot please God. It says, let him that ask, ask, not wavering. That's James speaking. Knowing that you, know, that, that, that you can receive nothing from God except you ask in faith. 
there needs to be an expectation. The psalmist in Psalm, Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? He says that my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. It is possible that where you are right now, the help is yet to come, but you are expectant. It is possible that where you are, you are still waiting for the period, between the period, between the promise and the product, but there is an expectation. And whatever life throws at you, this is what I say to you, whatever life throws, whatever you lose, do not lose your expectation because it is important for what you are believing God to receive. I do understand that sometimes people have stayed too long in a particular situation and, and, because, and, they, and they kind of have resigned to you know, how things have become. And they lose expectation. The problem is the moment you lose your expectation, you lose focus. The moment you lose focus, then the vision cannot become a reality anymore. Because when you lose fo focus, what happens is that the vision becomes blur. And the more it becomes blur, the more it becomes distant. And, and nobody wants to look at a blur picture. You want to remove your attention because it's become blur. It's, it's fast receding. It's, you're losing it. And after a season of losing expectation, we lose the vision. We lose the vision, which is the, the preferred future that you want. You lose it because you've lost expectation. So I say to you this morning, whatever it is that you are believing God for, do not, do not lose your expectation. It is quite possible that help that you so desperately need has not yet come. But be, remain expectant. This man, I don't know for how long he has been at that place that was called beautiful to everyone else but, 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 but him. What the Bible said, when he looked up, he looked up with expectation. As you look up this morning and in the days to come, I pray that you look up with expectation in your heart. I pray that for everyone who has resigned to the situation or the circumstance that you prefer or used to prefer that it changed, that expectation will return to your heart again. And by reason of this message, that faith will arise in your heart. I pray that God will inspire you with faith again, that a new expectation is born in your spirit. That expectation will continue to grow. You know what the Bible said about the coming of Jesus? He said that we should be expectant because he will come as a thief in the night. Even for the second coming of Jesus, the Bible calls, calls us to remain vigilant and expectant. In Matthew, he tells the story of the virgins who at, at, at a season were expectant, but then they fell asleep. I believe that in some ways God is sounding the trumpet that the Bible spoke about in Matthew because as the time draws near, the Bible speaks about the sounding of the trumpets. I tell you, you're not going to hear a musical note. You're going to hear words like this. Arise, O ye that sleep. Stir up your passion once again. Stir up your spirit. That is the expectation that we need to have of a Savior that is coming back. The next one. So we said, you need to give God attention. We need to be expectant. The next one, on strict prescription. Did you not like my titling this morning? On strict prescription. Cool. <laughs> so a certain man lame from his mother's womb, whom they laid 
daily, the Bible says. It was a daily thing. They laid him there daily. How many men do you think it's going to take to carry a full-grown man? Two? Four? Truth is, regardless of the number of men, it's going to be hard work. I'll tell you why. You see, the size of this temple, the actual worship temple um, where the worship and the ritual was done, it wasn't really massive. It wasn't really large. But after a while, especially during the, um, the, the, the reign of Herod, he began this massive um, project of, of rebuilding and expanding the temple. And by the time we are talking about this temple had become so expanded that they say it was the size of several football fields. Now, if you're going to carry a full-grown man through the size of several football fields. I don't know which part they were coming from or which part they were going to, but let's say you are carrying a full-grown man. It's going to be hard work. But to do that every single day, it takes commitment. It takes faithfulness. You see, faithfulness is about commitment. It is about others trusting us it is about people counting on us to do what we are committed to do. That's faithfulness. This certain lame man counted on the faithfulness of friends to continue to bring him to this place every single day. They had to do that twice a day. Because I, I, I will assume that they bring him in the morning. They might not leave him till whenever they have time. They'll probably come back in the evening, take him back home, bring him back the next morning. And this cycle continues day in day out. Have you ever found yourself in a cycle that, that, that you kind of begin to think about? When is this cycle going to end? You want something different. You want something fresh. You want something new. You want a new injection into that cycle. You want a break for a season from that cycle because there is nothing exciting anymore in it. Now, this is not the message, but I just want to drop that before I go on. There's a scripture in Isaiah 32, verse 15, and it says this. It says that until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, it says that the wilderness remains a wilderness. The barren field remains a barren field. So, but when the Spirit is poured on us from on high, there is a change. Why? The wilderness all of a sudden becomes a fruitful field. I just want to drop this this morning, that the solution to, to stagnation in life it's still in the Holy Spirit. It's in the interjection that he brings. It's in the wisdom that he brings. It's in the excitement that he brings. It's in the connection that he makes us have. It's in the listening to his voice. It's in the following of what he leads us to. It's still in the Holy Spirit. Mary said to the angel, how shall these things be? And, she said to, and the angel replied to Mary, says, the Holy Ghost. To every question, it is God with us. The Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. And so, we're on daily prescription. Strict prescription. It's about faithfulness. It's about faithfulness. Can you think for a moment that this man's miracle was dependent on the faithfulness of his friends? Who are your friends? Do you have friends that lift you up? Do you have friends that you can depend on? in a time of prayer, to pray through your need? Do you have friends that you can depend on when you're down to support you and make sure you are standing? Friends that don't just tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. 
who are your friends. Friends that will beat you with the truth but draw you close again in love because they know that what they are looking out for is your good. Who are your friends? Friends that you can depend on through thick and thin. If your friends are not lifting you up, they are drawing you down. And sometimes what we need to do and what the Spirit leads us to do is to begin to redefine our circle of influence. If it's not the right kind of people that will bring you every day to the gate called beautiful and leave you with a promise, I'm not leaving you here, I am coming back for you in the evening and they will show up again. Who are your friends? You see, th th that, that is critical in your journey if you want to make progress. So I ask, is it possible, again, another question I'm going to ask on this before I, I, I move on. Is it possible that someone is counting on your faithfulness for the breakthrough of their lifetime? Is it at all possible? That someone is dependent on your faithfulness for the breakthrough of their lifetime? The next slide, please. Now place your order. Place your order. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32, Jesus tells a story that we know as a parable of the lost or the prodigal son. And so many times I, I have thought about this story. I'm sure most of us have. And the father, you know, Oftentimes, when we, when, when, when we look at this story and we, we see the story of a, a, a boy or a man who walks up to his father. His father had two sons. That's the story. He had two sons. And the younger one walks up to his father and says, Father, give me my portion of the inheritance. And the father gave him his portion of the inheritance. And the Bible said that straight he, after, after a few days, he left and went to a, a far country. I don't know where it was. He traveled abroad, kind of. And then he spent it everything he had. I think he probably went as far as Australia, perhaps, where there is sunshine and, you know, beaches and all that. And he went far and he spent everything he had on riotous living, the Bible said. You see, what I noticed is that the father was not displeased by the son's request. If you read that scripture again and again and again, the father was never displeased with the son's request. He says, Father, give me what is due me. And the father obliged him. No questions asked. He gave him all that was due him. The problem wasn't that he asked because he asked and he received. Severally, the scripture tells us in Matthew 7, ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's the scripture. That's the word of God. Ask. So the problem wasn't that he asked. The problem was that he wasted the resources of heaven, of his father. Now let's have a look at what the, 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 the Bible, or the father said to the other son that stayed behind when, you know, the, the prodigal came back. So after many years, the prodigal comes back and the father kills a fattened calf and, and runs out to hug him and bring him back home and, and strips him of his rag and dresses him with robes and good clothes and places a ring on his finger and, and restores him, basically in love and kindness, never counting the past against him. And that's the nature of God. There are times when the only thing that can carry you through what you're into is, is your understanding of the nature of God. 
Sometime, I think last year, sometime two years ago, Nikki and I as a family were going through very, very, very difficult times. It was a very difficult season. And, and the only thing that we kept repeating to God is, Lord, we know your character. In this matter, we know who you are. We know your character. The only confidence we had when nothing else made sense was a confidence in the character of God. And again, again, we say, Lord, we know who you are. The father's character was to restore without counting the past against him. Now, when the, 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 the older son hears the mu music and merrymaking, he comes in to, and the to the father and he says, I've been with you all these years, and you've never as much as given me a, a, a lamb or anything to kill and celebrate with my friends. You know what the father said to him? He said, son, in verse 31, he says to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. The reason why all that you have has not come to you is because you've not asked. James says, you've, you have not because you ask not. The certain man, lame from his mother's womb, asked Peter and John for alms. He asked. He gave them attention with expectation. He asked. Remember, God is not a respecter of persons. Remember that. Remember, God is not a respecter of persons. He, what he has done before, he can do again. I'm concluding now. The last slide, please. Give attention to God. Be expectant. Be faithful to the process. Ask in prayer. Praise God.